We are in week two of a series on the love of God. And guys, this book, the Bible, the living word of God is God's love letter to you. And it, it just reveals how that God, he came looking for us. You know, the Bible says for us as children of God that we actually love him only because he first loved us. And so there, the love of God is an amazing subject because it's a powerful force in your life. We, we finished last week by saying in Romans 5.5, 5, it tells us that as soon as a person is born again, that the Holy Spirit comes in, brings a brand new spirit into the inside of us. And then he takes up eternal residency in our spirit. And the first thing that he does is he sheds the love of God, the very agape, unconditional love of God in our hearts. And he does that. Why? Faith works by love, right? It's impossible to follow the plan of God for your life if you're not walking in love. It's impossible to lay hold of the blessings of God apart from faith. And it's impossible to be in faith if, if it were, it's impossible for your faith to work if you're not yielding to the love of God in your heart. Yielding to the love of God in your heart brings so many blessings into your life that this subject is not taught enough. So we're going to go, I feel like this series, we're going to be very thorough. We're going to not talk about what our opinion is. We're going to talk about what the word of God says. And I'm telling you, if you'll embrace it, It'll change every area of your life. We live in a church environment where it's so casual that people have, we have lowered the bar to what it means to be a Christian, but God has never lowered that bar. Salvation is free, but in order to embrace salvation, you have to give up something. You have to give up your old life and embrace him. The very word believe in the Bible, in the New Testament, means I believe it so strongly that I'm willing to act and commit my life to it. Doesn't mean being flawless or perfect, right? We're human, but we're not only human. As we walk and as we learn who we are in Christ and we realize what it means to, that we've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God, that will affect our behavior. That, that's, when we talk about holiness, that's behavior. When we talk about righteousness, that's position. You've been made righteous, so now you have the ability to walk holy. There's a lot of teaching out there that because we're under grace, we could just do anything we want, and God still loves us. And like every false doctrine, that is partially true, right? God loves you the same when you're just doing everything and hitting on all cylinders or when you're just living for yourself and you're just blowing it in every area. He still loves you the same. However, it doesn't please him. Why? Because in that position, you're not able to lay hold of anything that Jesus has provided for you. So could you imagine seeing your children walking in lack, sickness, you know, depression, anxiety, fear, all these things never being satisfied, never being fulfilled, and here you've provided everything for them, right? That's why God isn't pleased. He wants you to lay hold of everything. Never forget this, church, the wages of sin is always death. That's why Jesus had to come, right? He paid for it. He actually, as we saw last week, he circumcised our heart. Now, your heart, your spirit, who you are, has been circumcised from, from this thing we call flesh, so now sin does not dominate you anymore. It's amazing. Now, now, believers don't believe that because they're like, no, I'm bound in this behavior. No, you bound yourself. You're really free 
but you're just looking at the wrong thing, you're feeding on the wrong thing, and it's, you're buying the lies of the enemy, God said, sin no longer will dominate you. Isn't that good news? So let's find out a little bit about what it means, how God loves us. Let's just keep going deeper in this. If you didn't listen, if you weren't here last week, get online, get our free app. I think it's Faith Family Omaha, and just go to the app store. It has all of our teaching, or get online uh, on our website. It has all the teaching as well. But listen to that message again. Meditate on those scriptures so that they start to open to you and, and you start to see them. So John 3, 16, we, we went into this verse last week. Let's read this again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, right? And he gave him so that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I've been hearing more and more that there are ministers and churches that are preaching that there is no hell. And it's really kind of amazing because Jesus talked more about hell than anybody in the Bible. Hell is a real place. And it's, you know, now, now there's people, you know, people in the world, man, I've talked to people, I've witnessed to them, you know, I'm just going to party with my friends in hell, it's going to be awesome. There is no partying in hell, right? There's only torment. There's hopelessness. You're completely separated from God. Hell was never made for man. It was not made for man. It was made for Satan and that third of the angels that fell, that went with him. It was made for them. God doesn't even send anyone to hell. He honors their decision to go there. And thus we have the great deception that is in the world today. Right? You know, what you need to realize in life, there is no middle ground. There's, there's not you're walking in the love of God and then there's this place of just neutral, and then you're not walking in the love of God. There's no middle. You're either walking in the love of God or you're not, right? And, and there's no middle ground. Either, either you've identified yourself with Jesus as you've received him as your Lord and you've bowed to his lordship, or you are identified with Satan. Jesus even said, to religious leaders of the day, you're of your father, the devil, right? And, and, and that's why people go. Spiritually, the law is wherever you're identified, that's where you're gonna go. So God just honors people's right. Well, listen, you know, I don't think if anybody had all the facts, they would really choose hell. So that's why we're here. But God, guys, here's one thing. The Lord told me this years ago. He said, Tony... It is my love that has been shed abroad in your heart that make all the gifts that I've placed inside of you palatable to people. It's the love of God. It's the goodness of God that leads people to change and repent. It's not beating them up. I mean, go out there on a street corner and preach, turn or burn, die or you're going to go to hell. And just see the wonderful fruit that you'll bear. No, please don't do that because that kind of preaching turns people off. Judgmental Christians turn people off, right? You're, you know, Pastor Dave was talking about the growth that we're seeing in our church, and it's wonderful. You know, I think the, the thing that excites me most is the hunger level that we're seeing. We're starting to see people come in all age categories that are going, I got to have the word. I, I just, I have to have this. I don't want this fake stuff. I got to have the real, right? Well, this is, this is a big thing. But just hide and watch. because Well, don't hide and watch. Get involved. <laughs> because I'm telling you, this is a fun ride. And the, and the increase that we've seen, this is still in the addition increase level. But wait for multiplication. Wait, wait for the signs, wonders, and miracles to break out. Wait, wait for that revival to hit Omaha and the surrounding areas. Wow. 
church is going to be kind of chaotic, a little messy, but glorious, yeah. right? Yeah. So the love of God, for God so loved the world. God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to have everlasting life. That would, you could deter, define that as eternal life. In John chapter 17, verse 3, it says, and this is life eternal, that you would know the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life, Zoe life. It said in the same gospel of John, in chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, listen, I've come that you might have life. Think about that. The God of the universe wants you to know him intimately. So think of it this way as we study this. When we study on the love of God, what we are also talking about is how that you can know God. Because learning to yield to the love of God is literally how you know him. Okay? So this is why this is so important. So now go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In verse 31, I want to break some things down here. Romans chapter 8, we're going to do a little verse-by-verse study. From Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to the end of the chapter here, because it talks about a very powerful subject and situation here that he's talking about. So up to verse 31, this Romans chapter 8 is the victory channel, or (laughs) victory channel. It is the victory channel. It is the victory channel, way beyond the victory channel that you guys are thinking about. This is the true victory channel, right? It's all about Romans chapter 8 is how that God wants, he's clearly saying, I want you to have victory in every area of your life. Every area. I want every area for you to be victorious and triumphant in. So now in verse, after he says all these things that he has provided for us, after he said it all, he says, now, what shall we say to these things? What shall we say? Look at this. If God be for us, who can be against us? So after we learn all that this is saying, all that the word of God says that he, Jesus has provided for us, all that God has provided for us in Christ, and he's saying, what shall we say to all these things? And the word if is really interesting because the Greek word literally would be more accurately translated since. It's not if. If God be for us. See, the if is really messing up the church right now. Because, you know, people will get in a pulpit and will say, well, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. Is that true? Yes. And then they will start to go off and say, so, you never know what God's going to do. Right? God heals some and not others. Is that true? No, that's absolutely false. That's a doctrine of a demon. That's not in the Bible. And then they'll say, you know, God sometimes, you know, it's just your cross to bear. He's allowing this sickness in your life so that he's trying to test where your faith is. No. God knows where your faith is. Right? No, he knows everything, right? Yeah, he knows everything. We have to keep that. Angela and I keep that at the forefront of our mind because sometimes we think we know everything, right? But no, 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 he knows everything. See, the Bible is really clear. And, and if you think, if God be for us, which means, gosh, maybe sometimes he's not, it's going to put you in a passive position against the enemy. But this would be more accurately, the Greek word literally means since. Since God be for us, who can be against us? And the answer to that question is Nothing can be against us, right? And then it, look at this. It says, what shall we say to these things? 
So what things are we talking about? Things. Listing in Romans, he's talking about what he's talked about. Here's some of the things. What shall we say to these things? The temptation to sin. If God be for us, who can be against us when we're tempted to sin? The trouble that comes because of the curse of the fall. What shall we say to that when trouble comes? If God be for us, who can be against us? Do you see how this is expanding this, right? What do we say to trouble, persecution, temptation of sin, circumstances that the enemy brings into our lives? What do you say? Because what you say is what you will have. So what you are to say is, it is written, if God be for me, who can be against me? And Satan, in case you're a little dull, no one. Because I've already been given the victory. Amen? Amen. Verse 32, Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Check this out. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Did you hear what that just said to you? God's saying, listen, if I wouldn't withhold my son and deliver him up to be made sin on your behalf, I won't keep anything from you. I'll freely give you everything. Now, we're learning on Wednesday night what that means. That, that literally means everything. Jesus is the lawful heir of everything the Bible says, and we are his co-heirs. That's powerful. This is what the Bible says. In other words, why did he say that in verse 32? God will freely give you things to overcome the things that you face. Your body is unlawfully attacked with sickness. God will give you freely healing. Your finances are attacked. Economies are messed up. He will freely provide for you. Right? Fear comes to your door in the form of circumstances where you're freaked out. He will freely give you the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Do you see that? So that's what he's talking about there. Verse 33. And then he goes into this. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now it's really interesting because this lay anything, this Greek word, it literally literally would say, who would, who would literally ever accuse God's elect? This verse the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is making fun of Satan, the accuser. That's literally, I mean, that's the Tony Finley literal, he's making fun. Hey, Satan, can you hear this? Who would ever be stupid enough to accuse one of God's elect? Who is that? Every, all, all of us. This is, this is not what I'm saying. This is what the Word says. Wow. Why? I mean, God's saying, who would ever accuse God's elect? It is God that justifies. He's like, Satan, I've justified them. You know what that word means? I've declared them righteous. Don't you ever come and accuse them. Wow. Do you know the Bible says that now that you're born again, you are actually unaccusable? So therefore, the number one person that you face that's always trying to accuse you, you got to get that person off your back. Guess who it is? It's you. Stop accusing yourself. When you have a behavior that's not in line with that word, the Bible says you just confess it before him. He's already condemned that sin. He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. And then you keep going. And the more you realize how good God is, the less you're going to have to do that. God is so good. Verse 34, 
Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God and who also makes intercession for us. Now that's a little unclear to people because we, when you study the nine different types of prayer in the New Testament, people don't even realize there's the prayer of intercession and there's the prayer of supplication. Okay? They are a lot alike. The prayer of intercession is to literally connect unsaved people to God. The prayer of supplication, we pray that for ourselves, we pray that for other believers to help them lay hold of the plan of God for their life. We get this messed up and then we read this and we're like, well, he's making intercession for us, so intercession must be for believers. No, this, this is not talking about the action of intercession. It's talking about the position. You gotta rightly divide. What does it say? He is even at the right hand of God. Position. Here's what that means. The fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's been raised from the dead. His blood was put on the mercy seat. The mere fact that he's there makes you unaccusable. It's the position of it. We were lost. And he interceded. Do you see that? Oh, it's so nice to rightly divide the word. See, when we have trouble rightly dividing the word is because we come with our degrees and we try to find a translation and find something that will, that will help us say what we think. Instead of just going, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm just a clean slate. Without you, I can't know anything. Just come in. And, and rightly dividing means it's got to work from Genesis to maps. Absolutely. Right? And so it just, it just takes a little more work, but what people don't realize, it's not really work. It's a fun ride. Amen. Right? Verse 34, who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. In other words, the work is already done. Jesus is the proof of that. He is the proof that we are forever joined to God. And nobody could ever accuse, and nobody could ever separate us from God who is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. That's why this series on love, the love of God is going to teach you how to know God. Because God is love. So then we get to some good parts here. Verse 35. Who. Notice it doesn't say what. It says who. Because who's are always going to be trying to separate you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, this Greek word means crushing pressure that comes from without. Shall crushing pressure that comes from without, shall it ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nope, can't do it. What's next? Distress. This Greek word means anguish or discomfort that comes from within, that inner turmoil. That inner turmoil, when you're out there, your spirit is going, what are you doing? Right? So many Christians live in a constant state of discomfort in or inwardly because they're not, they're not doing, they know they're not doing what God told them to do. Guess what? When you feel guilty, when you're condemning yourself, when you have that discomfort or distress from within, guess what? It doesn't separate you from the love of God. Isn't that good news? Such good news. What about persecution? Persecution. That means when you're pursued by your enemies, does that ever separate you? Never. Never separate you. Famine. 
nakedness. You know, they talk about famine. Isn't it good to know that your Father will always provide for you? Amen. Right? You're never going to have to beg for bread. Right? It talks about in this tribulation period that's about to come upon the earth. What does it say? Like a, a loaf of bread? It'll cost you a day's wages. Guess what? So what? Right? Nakedness or peril. Peril. Here's a big one. We've lived in this, haven't we? Danger. In the final days, 2 Timothy 3.1, perilous times shall come. It says they shall come. Guess what, guys? We are in the final days. Perilous times are here. That Greek word means dangerous and difficult, strength-reducing times are here. Why are they here? Because men will be lovers of their own selves. That's the root of all of it. Why, why do we know that's the root? Do you know the very nature of Satan is self-centeredness? What comes out of self-centeredness? Fear. Which, it, which will open the door for him to steal, kill, and destroy. But then over here, we've got the very nature of God. What are we talking about? The love of God is the nature of God. What comes out of that? Faith. Which will basically attach you to all the blessings of God. Danger shall never separate you. Or the sword. This Greek word is giving us a picture of war. What about war in the world today? Some of the threats that are even happening to our country. All the people kind of going, wow, this is starting to really look a lot like the potential of a world war. But guess what? War will never separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you know anybody serving in our military? Do you know any, any you know, like, like we were talking about the officers that we're going to have here. Do you know anybody? They're putting their life on the line. Guess what? They need to know this. Because God wants to protect them. It says here, as it is written, now Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is quoting Psalm 44 verse 22 in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. In, in Psalm 44, the psalmist was complaining about all the trouble that they were in. He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. That's where they were, they were literally complaining about all this trouble that they were in. Okay. Have you ever read the Psalms? Sometimes they start out, man, David's in a bad place. <laughs> He's just complaining. You know what? I can't give him a hard time. Never been in the place that he was in. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I think about he would only have the Spirit of God come upon him once in a while. Man, I've got the Holy Ghost in me all the time who's just wanting to talk and lead and strengthen, and I still complain. Yeah. <laughs> right? Do you ever complain? You're sitting there complaining with your mouth and your heart's going, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> then your wife goes, uh, Pastor, what, what did you say? <laughs> and then you get, the, when she says that, you get this mental picture of, of sitting there in a pull-up with a pacifier in your mouth, <laughs> right? You can't be in faith and have a whine in your voice. And that's what is happening right here. Oh gosh, you know, what am I going to do? As it is written, for thy sake, we're all killed all day long. I'm not even killed once. I'm killed all day. I mean, you know, and we're accounted as sheep to the slaughter. In other words, I, God, what in the world? Why do you allow this in my life? I mean, just complaining. What does verse 37 say? See, See, Christians will read this and go, yeah, see? Man, we're just like sheep to the slaughter. I just get, I'm just killed every day. It must be God allowing. No, 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 no. Read the next verse. Everybody is one verse away from really seeing it. Say this with me. Nay. Nay. You know what that means in English? Here, say this with me. No. 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 We're not killed all day long. We're not accounted as a sheep. To the slaughter. No. 
In other words, the literal meaning, no, that is not the way it is for the children of God. God is not planned for you and I to be killed. God has planned victory and triumph for us. Nay, in all these things, in what things? In tribulation, crushing pressure from without, it shall not separate me. It shall not separate you from the love of Christ. Distress, anguish, or discomfort from within, it shall not separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or even a sword. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. This word conquerors, it literally means super victorious. It's like victory on steroids, right? If steroids were legal, right? But they're not, because, wow, they'll mess you up. You might have 18-inch biceps. The problem is you might have three of them, right? So you don't, you don't want to go there, right? No, no, this is super, I just say this, I don't know why I say this stuff. It keeps you awake, right? Super victorious. Super victorious. We're more than conquerors. Why? Through him, why? That loved us. Do you know when the Father is looking at you right now, he knows right where you're at. He knows every secret thing that nobody else doesn't know about you or whatever. And guess what? He's looking at you through the eyes that he has for you. He just loves you. He's not look, he's, he sees you in Christ. You know, he doesn't see you in Christ because he, he puts on these scarlet-covered glasses that cover up everything. No, he sees you in Christ. He sees you free from sin. You know why? Because you are. He doesn't see you in your sin. You know why he, forget, he can forget your sin? It's not because he's God. It's because the sin's gone. It's all gone. It was condemned once and for all, Romans chapter 8 says, on the body of Jesus. It's gone. He took our place because he loved us so much. And he loves you today. And that will cause you, this is why I run towards him. This is why my whole life is to know him, is to please him. And when I mess that up, I run back to him. And man, I just, I don't let it bother me because I am never going to feel guilty because that's saying that Jesus' sacrifice was not enough. Right? Right? That's why it says in Romans 8, there is therefore now, now that Jesus bore all the junk, yeah. there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. His sacrifice was enough through him that loved us. Look at this, as if that wasn't good enough. Verse 38, for I am persuaded. See this, you have to be persuaded of these two verses. In order to grow spiritually, in order to trust God, in order to see and so that the Holy Spirit can get revelation of his word over to you, you have to be fully persuaded of this, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, everything in my life now, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. In the Greek, it would, it would literally read, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul is saying, this is what I've come to know. He was persuaded because of what he saw as he lived. He saw God always come through, right? In other words, this is telling you as a believer that there is nothing that you cannot have victory in. So look at your life. When you go from this place, if there's areas of your life that are binding you, realize that God loves you so much 
that you could have victory in that area. Every area. Man, I'm telling you, your past does not dictate your future. Convicted felon in the world stands says you're going to be really limited, not in God. No, 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 no. No, God loves you. He wants you to have victory in everything. So now we've talked a little bit about how God loves us. Now let's jump back to John chapter 13 in verse 34. Another foundational scripture that we talked about last week. So now Jesus is giving us, as New Testament born-again believers, he's giving us a new commandment. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, that we have to love one another unconditionally. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Wow. So think about that. If that is the case, all men are going to know that you're a follower of Christ if you love your brothers and sisters. Now you're starting to see why Satan works overtime to keep people away from church, to keep people, they, he, if you're going to come to church, he's like, okay, hope they don't hear anything. But if you come, man, I just hope that you jump out of the chair and leave really quick. Don't ever get involved. Don't. Why? Because I'm telling you, when you start walking in love and relationship with brothers and sisters, what happens? How does the world know? Do you know there's no spies in here today? Right? The world doesn't have a camera that they're looking no, no, they know, they know you're a follower of a Christ because you love your brothers and sisters. Why? Because they see how you love them. That when they're unlovely, when they're not nice to you, you still love them unconditionally. Why? Because you've learned to love your brothers and sisters unconditionally. Right? Well, I don't go to church. church are, the church is full of hypocrites. I mean, okay. So what does that have to do with anything? I mean, to be honest with you, so I, the first thing I ask somebody, I'm like, well, that's a true statement because, man, I believe something inside, but I, I can tell you I've, I've acted like a hypocrite before. I've acted in a way that I don't believe. But I guess the question I would ask you is, haven't you been a hypocrite? Have you ever been a hypocrite? Has there ever been a human being outside of Jesus Christ who was not? So in other words, what else would the church be full of? Right? Wow. So we just need to get over ourselves and yield to the love of God, and it is all good. And I would love to tell you today as your pastor that none of you, starting with me, is ever going to mess up again. Wow. But we're going to stick to truth. I will tell you we don't have to. That sin doesn't make us. We have to choose it. How do we choose it? We just get our eyes off the Lord. How do you walk free from sin? Just get your eyes back on the Lord. Right? So that's a powerful commandment. This is how all men are going to know. So let's jump. Let's go into 1 John chapter 3. Man, there's so much here. We're just going to take our time and settle in. This is just going to bless you. And if it doesn't bless you, just know it's blessing me. Be happy for me. Right? 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Look at this. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother check this out, abides. It's the Greek word meno. It means to settle down and remain and stay and continue in death. When I read this, I'm like, okay, so nobody is ever, my brothers and sisters, there's nothing you could ever do to make me not love you because I surely don't want to settle down and live in death. I've done that 
as a Christian. I don't want to do that anymore. I love living in life. Right? As you grow in your walk with the Lord, you will absolutely love what he loves. Right? As I've walked with Jeanette for 33 years, I, I love what she loves. Why? Because she loves it. Right? So sometimes it's from a distance. It's like, okay, I love, I love the way you love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and, and I will put up with that horrendous smell that fills our house because I love you and you enjoy them. Do you see what I'm saying? Is that... Is that deep, right? We better move on. We better get back to the word. 1 John chapter 4, in verse 7 and 8, it says it this way. 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is of love, and everyone that loves is born of God. Look at this. And knows God. Knows God. This is the Greek word. Anytime you see this word know, it's the Greek word genosko. It's a Jewish idiom word of Jesus' day, of John's day in the early church. It literally was a Jewish idiom word for sexual intercourse. It means to know so intimately that things are conceived in you and birthed out of you. So this is telling us here Everyone that is born, or everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. And now when I've quoted this scripture before, I have to quote a statement that Jesus told me years ago that I live by. It keeps it right in front of my face all the time. The degree to which my love walk, my outward love walk, is deficient, it will be proportionately how casual my relationship with him is. The more my outward love walk with my brothers and sisters is deficient, the more casual my walk with God is, my love for God. If I'm not loving my brothers and sisters, man, I'm, this is a litmus test, guys. Why are Christians not in the word the way they should be? Why, do they, why is church not a, not a deal in their life? Why? Why so casual? I just kind of, I come to church and I just kind of live my life. Why so casual? Because they're not loving their brothers and sisters. Why? Because they don't know how much God loves them. So this is, this is a real big thing. So if you want to be passionate for the Lord hungry for him, love what he loves. That's why we talk so much about getting involved in this church. It's very important that you get involved in the, in the church that God's planted you in. Why you build relationships that you will need when the storms of life come. It's really nice to have a group of men or women that could come around you when you're believing God for something. Really nice. If you, if you want more information on that, just go talk to Bud and Fran. Right, they will tell you all about that because they have seen in their lives the importance. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We get everything together, guys. We are a gathering faith, right? That's why you should vote. That's why you should pray for your leaders, right? The pressure on them to be corrupt has to be unbelievable because it's the world system, right? God longs for, God has created us for. He patiently waits for us to turn our heart completely towards him. And he will keep wooing us and wooing us. See, here's the bottom line. You guys look so serious. This is kind of a, right? Your words and your actions, according to the word of God, flow out of your love relationship with Jesus. If your words are not right and your actions are not right, don't beat yourself up. That won't help you. 
You get in the word of God. You start spending time with him. You start, you call out for him to help you do what? Help you see a revelation of how much he loves you. Right? It's amazing. I said this to the men. I'm going to say this here. Because all of you are called into full-time ministry, whether you realize it or not. You're, not. you're not here just for your job. Your job is to be a form of worship. You are not employed by that company. You're deployed. You're, you're, you're deployed by God where you are in this earth, and, and you're to be light. You're a full-time minister. You're to yield all your fruit in your season. In a very short period of time, when Jesus takes the church out of here, in the rapture of the church, he's coming with his reward. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. We won't be judged for sin because sin's already been taken care of. We will be judged for the fruit that we bore. And many who have lived for themselves won't bear any, any fruit. But there are people, see, there are people that are so in love with outer court horizontal ministry. They're, they're so in love with that. I just, I just want to, I just, I got to be in ministry, you know? And, and, and then we have people that Satan uses in the body of Christ that will give them prophetic words many of which draw people away from the true call of God on their life. But how can, you, how can you safeguard that? You have to realize that Jesus is not after horizontal outer court ministry. He, is, he desires a, a secret place of vertical intimacy. All your, everything you do for God, all of this will flow from this. The weaker this is, I don't care how talented you are, the weaker this is going to be. You've heard me say it this way. All ministry flows out of the overflow of your personal walk with God. This is not a religion. This is a relationship. So never forget that. When everything in your life, in my life, I am consumed with this. And it keeps this in right perspective. The title of pastor, I thank God for it every day. I thank God for the honor of pastoring one of his churches in the earth. I thank God for that. I, I couldn't do anything else, Right? When, when, when I was steeped in worthlessness, I tried. But I'm so glad he never gave up on me. However, my identity is 0% in pastor. What excites me is child of God. Amen. Right? I, I wear this ring that, that from, I, I love this ring. I got it when I graduated from Rama. And it has the face shield on it, which is really cool. It has, it has a cross that talks about the Greek word rhema. That's really cool. But what really excites me is that cross. I look at that cross all the time, and I realized he paid a price so that I, so that I could know him. So never forget that. If you don't remember anything from this whole series... Everything flows out of the vertical, secret place intimacy that it walk that you have with God. Horizontal ministry, I know people that are so, they just want to be in ministry so bad, they don't even love people. Right? I mean, they come to churches with the books that they've started their little private Bible study. They put it in a bag so nobody sees it. And they try to pull people out of church so that they could come to their little Bible study. And, and, and you know, when I see people who go to these little Bible studies and they sit and they hear things from people that have no ownership in their life. They get words from people. I mean, I'm thinking over the years of ministry, people that I've seen get blown away, they get a word about how that they're going to change the world. You know, and they leave this position that, they, that, that they're really making a difference in, but it's not big enough for their flesh. How do you, how do you know here? Right. 
Show me a person here, and they'll have a clear picture here. The love of God will keep you. So check this out. John, we're kind of closing now. We're kind of coming down the hill. We're not closing, but we're kind of, <laughs> right? And you know what it means when a preacher says he's closing anyway. It doesn't really mean anything, right? John chapter 15 and verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. Let's go a little further. Look at this. As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. And then he says this, continue, continue ye in my love. And then now he's going to start telling us how to continue in the love of God. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide. Again, it's the word meno. You shall remain you shall continue in, you shall settle down, you shall stay in my love if you keep my commandments. Right? So what are his commandments for a New Testament believer? Thank God it's not 613 Old Testament stuff, right? No, no, it's just two. We walk, we walk yielding our life to the love of God, which enables us to walk by the faith of God. That's it. And the only way we could do those two things is if we literally settle down and remain in his love. So it's like an upward spiral. I make a decision. I want to remain in your love. I want to walk in a revelation knowledge continually of how much you love me. And that fuels everything. Man, look at this. As the Father has loved Jesus so have I loved you, Tony. So continue in my love. Well, how do I do that, Lord? Keep my commandments. Walk by faith. Walk in love. Right? Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Why did Jesus do the will of God? Why did he finish? Because he obeyed his Father. When his Father said to do it, he did it. See, right now, we think that the Bible's multiple choice. I love, pastor, I love that. He wants to bless me financially part. But man, don't talk to me about that giving part, right? Or do, uh, man, you don't know what's happened in my life. Don't talk to me about that forgiveness stuff, right? Don't talk to me. Are, throwing my flesh on the altar, yeah, no, no, don't want... Can, can you please, right? In other words, just feed me dessert. Don't ever get in the rest of it. But this is the key. Guys, we're giving you the, this is how you walk out God's plan for your life. This is how. See, this is what happens to a believer. He's steeped in this, this behavior that's contrary to the word. And what will happen in a very short time, he will start living his life not understanding how much God loves him. And then Satan is able to separate him and just lie to him. And here you've got this believer that God loves. He's not going to beat him up for his behavior. He, he already knows the way out of that. But that person will, will repel from God because he's thinking, oh, God's mad at me. Right? No, no, God's not mad at you. What would, he, what would he be mad at you about? He condemned all your sin in the body of Jesus. Right? The Bible says it, was, it, took, it gave God pleasure to bruise Jesus. Why? That sounds sick. No, no, no. It was because of what it would mean for all of us. When the Spirit is operating in full capacity. When you're walking in the Spirit, yielding your life to the Lord, the flesh is very weak. The flesh has no power over that. But when the flesh is operating at full capacity, the Spirit is weak. It's the way it works. No middle ground. 
So John chapter 14, verse 21. Now we're, we're kind of really coming to the close, but stick with me here. He that hath my commandments, which is my words, right? His word. He that hath. Actually, that word hath, it means literally he that holds. I've grabbed a hold of his commandments. I will walk by the faith of God. I will walk yielded to the love of God. Right? He that hath or holds my commandments and keeps them. This, this Greek word keeps literally means to keep your eye upon, to watch over, to guard, and to attend. So I've grabbed hold of his commands and I keep it. Wherever I go, I'm looking at it. I don't just hear it and then walk away and do my own thing. How easy is that to happen in this day and age? Man, I bet every one of you have like 50 things you need to get done today before tomorrow. Right? And Satan will keep you super busy to the point to where you don't even realize how many breaks you're taking. Six hours of football, you know, 23 hours of Facebook, and little cute things on the internet, and texting, all this stuff. And pretty soon... You've pushed, there's, there's no time in the word, so you're not keeping it, and you're wondering why you're not living it. He that holds my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. How does God know that you love him? He knows you love him because you keep his word. That's about as plain as it gets. Well, wait a minute. Like, could you imagine, I start this relationship with this wonderful lady back in 1989, and I always just go, oh, you know, I just really love you, Jeanette. Hey, I'll see you later. I got some other stuff I got to do. You know, we go out to dinner, and, and I'm at dinner. You know, honey, can I borrow your, your phone for a second? So I'm at dinner with her. I'm trying to date her, and I'm like this. I love you so much. You're so awesome. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Hey, um right? No, no. How does God know you love him? He knows you love him if you're keeping his word. And everybody said either amen or oh me, right? <laughs> but remember, God will help you. God will help you with this. And he that loves me shall be loved by my father. In other words, when you Act when you draw near to God in this way, now you give him, because he won't ever violate your will. Now he, he's able to come in and love you and look at what else. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So these are the benefits of keeping his word. And listen. You can keep his word. It doesn't mean you, you won't mess up, but when you mess up, I'm telling you, when you're spiritually mature, messing up is a just and repair. You start moving in this direction and you're like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. I'm back here. When you're, when you're not spiritually mature, you're tossed about with every wind of doctrine. Oh, let me go over here. I got to spend 19 hours on all that's happening in the world today. And whoa, and then over here, man, I've got this, you know, this prophetic thing I got to go to because they got to tell me I'm a world changer and they could tell me I'm okay. And whoa, wait, whoa, I got to come over here because wow, Jesse's going to talk about prosperity. And, and pretty soon I'm just all over the place. I'm heaping up teachers. I, I sit in my house and I watch 19 hours of different teachers and, and I wonder why my life is a mess. Well, you're not doing any of it. You're not meditating in anything. So you're not able to keep it. Listen, guys, here it is. Vertical, vertical intimacy with God. Him and you and everything else falls into place. You don't have this, and you're going to live a life of turmoil. And God doesn't want that for you. Listen, when you get to heaven, he's not going to beat you up because you wasted your life. No, he's going to say, enter into your peace. But he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And he really wants to say that. Because he wants you to walk around with that victor's crown, which identifies all that he did through you and with you. Right? God loves us. 
see, never forget this. You've heard me say this all the time. Spiritually, you hunger after what you feed on. So if you want to be hungry for God, just start feeding on his word. Yeah, but I don't understand the Bible. Oh, don't worry about that. It's not, it's not an intellectual book. It's spiritual food. And you've got the one on the inside of you that knows everything about it. Right? Talk to people. If you want more information on that, talk to Courtney. Right? Can they come talk to you? Just what it means, just start reading the Bible. Right? Did you know everything when you first started reading the Bible? Hilarious, right? But now God talks to you in everything. He, that's, you hunger after what you feed on. You pursue what you value. Right now, ask yourself, what am I pursuing in my life? And you'll know what you value, right? Hallelujah.